The views and opinions expressed by guests on this program are not necessarily the views of Thinking Bigger Business Media, Inc. or its employees. Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transform their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. Our guest today is Jim McGraw. He's the former chief operating officer, corporate officer, and board member of the pharmaceutical firm Marion Laboratories. He's also the former chair of the Ewing Marion Kaufman Foundation Board of Directors, and he's a leading voice of quality education, entrepreneurism, and free enterprise. Jim's really seen it all. He was there with Mr. K as Marion Labs became the hottest stock on Wall Street, and he made millionaires out of assembly line workers and secretaries. And now he is traveling around the community, trying to help new entrepreneurs understand the principles that Mr. Kaufman embodied as he grew the Marion Laboratories enterprise, and he's sharing those. So today he's here with us to talk about his program and the new direction it's headed. Welcome to the show today, Jim. Pleasure to be here. As I said, you have a very diverse background, and you had the opportunity to work with a legend. And why don't you give us a little bit about that background and what it was like to work as Marion Laboratories was being built? Well, Mr. K, as we call him, Mr. Mm -hmm. Kaufman, was a very, very unusual entrepreneur. First of all, you know, he started the company with $5,000 of borrowed money in his basement, and it grew to a billion-dollar enterprise. The reason for that was the three core values that he had. Treat others like you'd like to Mm -hmm. be treated, share with those who produce the results, and above all, share your success with others. That's where this LEAP program comes in, is part of that sharing program, because Mr. K was very, very emphatic on that point, that we all had a responsibility to do it. And I have been conducting a program called LEAP for the last few years that has been very, very well accepted over thousands and thousands of participants, which I think have, we've made an impact as far as adding to their skill level to achieve a higher level of success for these would-be entrepreneurs. Now, going back to Mr. Kaufman, he made a critical decision early on in his career, and that was to be a macro leader and not a micromanager. And this is a failing that many entrepreneurs have. They're unwilling to let go And if they're going to grow their business, they have to become macro leaders. The key there is do what you're supposed to do. However, hire people smarter than you are. True. So that you build on the strength of the organization. And Mr. K did that. He brought us in, gave us strong leadership positions, and let us do our thing. And it worked out very, very well. Yes, and he not only did that with Marion Labs, but he did that with other enterprises like the Kansas City Royals. Uh, you know, he didn't just stop with Marion Labs. Here, here. <laughs> <laughs> and let's, wasn't it wonderful for the Royals last year? It was so exciting to see that team on fire again. Um, I, I, w- I remember the World Series in 1985 and how much this town rallied, and, and then mm-hmm. for so long, you know, we didn't have that. And, and it, was, it was neat to see young kids especially get behind them. 
Well, that's right. It was a great event, and I'm sure Mr. K, wherever he was, was enjoying every very minute of it because he liked to win. I can tell you that. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Now, you, as I said, you have been traveling around the community uh, helping younger entrepreneurs. And by younger, I mean new entrepreneurs. Correct. I, should, mm-hmm. I should be more specific there. Newer entrepreneurs understand the things that made Marion Laboratories great, the principles mm-hmm. that Mr. Kaufman uh, stood for. Now you are taking that program in a little bit different direction. It's actually it's it's a maturing program, Leap Two. Mm-hmm. Uh, so tell us about uh, first of all, I guess tell us about Leap just just very briefly, and then why the emphasis on Leap Two that you're taking. Well, Leap stands for leadership, empathy, mm-hmm. and the power of persuasion. And Mr. K was a very very strong leadership, and leadership skills uh, are a core com- component, whether it be Leap One or Leap Two. Because, again, leadership is one of the most sought-after skills in the universe. And I define leadership very simply as the ability to get the right things done on time through people. And uh, that's the key to anybody's and everyone's success. Now, we do emphasize that there is a difference between charisma and leadership. An awful lot of people are vulnerable to very charismatic people. However, they don't have the skill set to achieve great results. Right. So that uh, it's important to understand the two. It's wonderful when a leader has charismatic skills because the two in combination are extremely effective. And so you're talking about charismatic leadership, and you, you've also talked before a little bit about the burden of leadership. Why, why do you say burden of leadership? Well, I have maybe burden, responsibility, mm-hmm. or what have you, because you're the person in charge. You're the one that is responsible for achieving results. And the key there is to have clear-cut objectives, clarity of direction, clarity of organization, and clarity of measurement. Because you cannot fool yourself. You cannot create your own results. The results are either there or they're not. And I urge that all would-be entrepreneurs have those specific objectives and then monitor your results. Ask yourself, are we on plan? If not, why not? And what do we have to do to get back on plan? Exactly. So that really uh, leads us into what you call the three clarities. Correct. Uh, you have to get very clear about some of those things you just talked about. Can you talk to us in a little bit more detail about that? Well, when I say clarity of direction, you have to ask yourself, what are you trying to accomplish? What are you trying to accomplish with your organization? In Marion's case, at one time, we were not only in the pharmaceutical business, but we had collected a host of small boutique companies, Stairglide, Seed mm-hmm. Oculant Company, and what have you. But we made a decision to emphasize pharmaceuticals. So as part of that clarity of direction, we decided to divest of all those other businesses. Fortunately, we sold all of them, with the exception of one, to their current leadership. They continued to build the organization and were quite successful. As part of that clarity of direction, that was reflected in how we obtained new products. Because we were a small company, we did not have the resources of a Merck or a Pfizer or what have you with their R&D budgets. Right. So what we did was search the world for significant compounds where companies did not have a presence in the United States. We approached those firms, licensed the compound, took it through the regulatory process, and introduced them in the United States. That proved to be very, very effective. 
Caraphate was a product for ulcers that ultimately became a quarter of a billion dollar brand. Cardizem was licensed from Tanabe of Japan, a cardiovascular product of great significance that ultimately sold a billion dollars plus. It's amazing. But all of that because you got really clear that mm-hmm. pharmaceuticals was the direction that you needed to be heading, what you needed to focus on. That's correct. Clarity of direction. Then clarity of organization is pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. Have the right people in the right spot for their skills and be relentless on that and make sure that their uh, values were consistent with your organization. And again, clarity of measurement, as I pointed out earlier, be relentless. Make sure you're achieving what you're trying to achieve. Okay. I think that clarity of organization, it's clear cut, but I think sometimes it's easier said than done. Uh, trying to find the right people to for the right spots on the bus can be um, a little challenging at times, I think, as a business owner myself. Well, right. You have a responsibility to your associates to make sure they're in a position to achieve the greatness that they're capable of achieving. Right. So so we talked about one of the components of LEAP2, and that is leadership charisma. One of the other ones that you have mentioned is balanced decision-making. Mm-hmm. Balanced decision-making is a critical skill set. Uh, when you're making decisions, you know, we all have brains, but we're paid to use those brains and making good decisions. <laughs> you would hope, sure. <laughs> right. We're not, a, we're not entitled to sit on the sidelines and wish things away. Right. So, again, when you're making a decision, it's a matter of a classic thing of defining your objective, uh, making sure you do the fact-finding, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, going through all those steps. But, and the process of doing that, the key part of balanced decision-making is step one, mm-hmm. interview out of people who have knowledge, experience, or what have you that can, can contribute to the decision-making process. Now, this is not a laborious thing. It could be a quick, quick email, a quick telephone call saying, here's the situation. What, can you, what expertise can you share with me? Then as you begin to formulate your conclusion, then you have a responsibility to talk to the people that are going to be impacted by those decisions. Therefore, they might make a suggestion, well, you've, have you thought of this, that, or what have you. Mm-hmm. You conclude that, then you come out with your conclusion, and that way you have fellowship, believability in the end results. Because what you want to avoid is solving one problem and creating two or three new ones. Exactly. Right. But a lot of people confuse balanced decision-making with consensus. It is not the ringing system in Japan. You are still responsible for making that decision. However, you have a responsibility to make sure that you've gathered all the input, make sure you've determined the impact of that decision before you implement it. How far do you take the research process, the information gathering? It's a question that comes up uh, from time to time because some people continue to, or some leaders continue to gather information to the point of paralysis where they get never get a decision made. And that's just as bad as making a hasty decision. No question about it. That's usually a symptom of people who are unwilling or uncomfortable in making decisions. They evaluate, explore, 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 Mm -hmm. explore, and never come to a conclusion. Right. I knew a guy, uh, uh, actually a very prominent business owner here in Kansas City, who would talk about the paralysis of of research in that information gathering Mm -hmm. stage. And he said that when he would find himself getting uh, to that point, he uh, he actually carried a pair of dice in his 
his pocket. <laughs> and he would say, if it's going to be, if, if the number is this, I'm going to do this. If the number is this, I'm going to do this. And he'd roll the dice. And he said, at least it got me off the fence. You know, sure. I got I got some movement. I could always make adjustments, but hmm. if I'm not doing anything, I'm not going anywhere. So. Well, the other key thing is establish your own deadline. That's Say, a good, fine, yeah. I have seven days to conclude on this. Let's get on with it. Mm-hmm. So we've covered two of the three components of the Leap 2. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about grit, which is a really gritty subject. But <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to, to hearing your take on that, Mr. McGraw. Thank we'll you. be right back. Hi, I'm Dr. Michelle Robin with Small Changes, Big Shifts. I'd like to invite you to join me on Wednesdays at noon on my show so we can give you some tips and some ideas that will inspire you to reconnect to the good that you already are. You know, it takes all aspects of life to really live a whole life. It's not just about one thing. I'll be sharing my network of friends around the country with you that specialize in health and wellness from all different aspects, whether it's mental health, physical health, or emotional health. So join us Wednesdays at noon on Small Changes, Big Shifts. You never know what little thing will help shift your life. Take a look under your bed find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your closet. Still no jobs, just more stuff? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed. And they're the stuff inside your stuff. Our job is to unlock those jobs. And it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff. Create jobs. Looking to establish your brand as an industry leader? Want to deliver helpful, relevant content to your niche audience? Look no further. Our staff at Custom Publishing can produce branded newsletters, magazines, podcasts, and so much more. We'll take you from concept to distribution or assist you with any stage in between. Writing, editing, design, audio production, voiceovers, digital, print. If you have a communication need, we have a solution. Call 913-831-8100. Call us today and discuss the possibilities. That's 913-831-8100 for all your custom publishing needs. Good morning. Welcome back to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. We've been visiting here this morning with Mr. Jim McGraw, who's the former Chief Operating Officer, Corporate Officer, and Board Member of Marion Laboratories. He worked hand-in-hand with Mr. Ewing Kaufman in building that company, and he's also the former Chair of the Ewing Marion Kaufman Foundation Board of Directors. He is now working within the community, within the entrepreneurial community here in Kansas City to help new entrepreneurs understand the philosophies that Mr. K used to build such a great enterprise. And he's expanded his uh, original program, Leap One. It's now Leap Two. And we've talked about two of the components of that already this morning. One is the Uh, leadership and charisma. The other is balanced decision-making. And the third component is grit. What is grit? Well, we found at the Kauffman Foundation and other think tanks have also come up with the same conclusion that grit is the greatest predictor of success for an entrepreneur. In other words, is he or she callous to defeat? Because you're going to have setbacks. 
are you do you have the ability to hang in there and win 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 that's very very critical because if you merely say well we tried mm-hmm. didn't work out goodbye good luck and god bless you and be out of the picture that's not going to cut it you right. have to have that grit or the staying power and how do you define the grit you know you look at a dictionary they comment firmness of character indomitable spirit well, those are all very noble things, but when the bullets are flying over your head and you have a payroll to meet or what have you, it can get a little shaky at times. So I think the key here is you have to have the perseverance of sticking with long-term goals to make sure that you're going to achieve what you want to achieve. Now, with grit, don't confuse that with pig-headedness. Because uh, some entrepreneurs are very pig-headed. Uh, they some? Have, some, yes. <laughs> they have what I call cement ears. They're unwilling to listen to the marketplace. So that if you're having setbacks, I'm all for grit. But make sure that you've taken all of the information in. Because there may be things that you need to modify, change, enhance, or what have you, to achieve what you're after. So grit is very, very important. Yes. Now, a key part of that is courage. As I mentioned there, you have to have the ability to manage failure. People, unfortunately, learn more from failure than they do from success. Because when they have success, they just take it for granted. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this may or may not happen the second time around. And resilience, as we commented before, you have to be able to dodge and weave and what have you and hang in there and determine what must be done in order to achieve the success that you're after. Also, confidence is a key part of it. Do you believe in yourself? Because if you don't believe in yourself, how in God's name can you expect anyone else to believe in you or your ideas? Right. Very, very important. Have a strong belief in yourself. Creativity is another critical part of grit. Look what the Apple computer company has done. One creative product after another. Again, great opportunities, great examples of seizing those opportunities and turning them into reality. Yes. When you talk about grit and you talk about uh, having what it takes day-to-day to dodge the bullets, how do you know? You're not, well, you're not talking about just another day where you had some, some challenges. You're, you're talking about uh, staying in there even when, and, and being resourceful, even when you maybe don't have funds to make the payroll mm-hmm. and you have to figure out what you're going to do. Um, th- those, are, those are big things. How, how do you, what do you recommend to entrepreneurs who, as we've said, sometimes it's lonely. How, what do you say to them as far as resources that they can turn to or, uh, you know, a mentor, an advisory mm-hmm. board during those situations that will help with that grit? Well, right. I think all those are good suggestions. Mm-hmm. I, I, the key here is to listen to the marketplace, listen to your supporters because they have something to offer, um, and then try to implement their ideas. You may or may not be possible to implement them, all of them. But the key is it's better to have more good ideas than few ideas. Yes. So that this listening to the marketplace is very, very critical. Years ago, the R.J. Reynolds Tobacco Company wanted to develop a smokeless cigarette. Why? I don't know. <laughs> but Mr. Johnson invested millions and millions of dollars into this failed prospect because he, he refused to listen to the marketplace. Nobody wanted it. 
so that if you're trying to introduce products that people don't want, need, or unwilling to pay for, you have a long, expensive road ahead of you. Definitely. Very definitely. One of the things that we hear a lot about now, especially with the focus on the uh, the young tech entrepreneurs, is the culture of failure. You know, fail fast and it's okay to fail. You can fail 50 times. Just learn from it and get up and go on. What What is your take on that? Well, it sounds noble, but nobody wants to fail 50 times. I don't care yeah. who you are. It's you're going to run out too. of money. There you go. Because yeah. <laughs> that's a finite resource mm-hmm. so that you want to minimize your failures, again, by listening and reacting properly to the marketplace itself. Because in the tech world, this changes. You have life cycles in milliseconds. Absolutely. I mean, what was a hot product six months ago is now in the dustbin of history. Mm-hmm. So that you have to be very, very creative and you have to stay ahead of the power curve. Focus your efforts to one, two, or three key efforts because, again, you have limited resources. Mm-hmm. At what point do you, I mean, there comes a point with some businesses, I mean, realistically, there comes a point, no matter how much grit you gave it, mm-hmm. um, everything that you had, and and the handwriting's on the wall, it's, it's time to close up. I mean, mm-hmm. There comes a point with that, no matter how much grit you have. And and how do you deal with that? How do you make that decision to say, this was the wrong thing? Even even with the tweaks I've made and the mentors I've had, it's time to call it it quits. Well, you have to do that because, again, what will happen many times in the marketplace? You may be off timing-wise. You may have a great idea, but the marketplace is one or two years away from Mm -hmm. adopting it. Therefore, you either have to hang in there until the marketplace is ready so that your product is accepted. So that if you look back in history, a lot of great products were developed, but just too soon. True. It just wasn't the right time or the right place. Knowing that, I think it's very, very important. But again, I think if you will reflect on what happened or didn't happen, Mm -hmm. you will have a lot of meaningful information to move forward onto your next opportunity. Yeah, there's a fine line there between being the first to the marketplace when the time is right Mm -hmm. and getting there too early, as you said, and then there's so much education to do and a lot of money that can be, has to be spent on that. But then if you get in at the end of the, of the uh, time period, you don't have any marketplace to capture. So it's, it's a very fine line as to when to, to hit that, uh, entry point. One of the key points that I stress in these seminars that I conduct is if you look at a perceived need as one axis and cost to promote on the other axis, if you have a very high perceived need for your product, it's going to take relatively small amount of money to establish that product. If you have a very low perceived need, like the 13th laundry detergent, it's going to take an awful lot of money, time, and patience to establish that brand. Mm -hmm. Procter & Gamble can do it. Young entrepreneur cannot do it. Right, yeah. Crowded marketplace, you're going to have to have a lot of money for marketing and advertising Mm -hmm. in particular. (laughs) Yeah. So you're you're traveling around. Uh, You offer these uh, workshops and Mm -hmm. seminars for free. Mm -hmm. Uh, If somebody was interested in contacting you to speak to their group, how would they get in touch with you? They can contact me direct through your organization. That's a great way to find us. Thank you. Also, Bill Musgrave is the one that books all of these appointments, and Bill's not with me today. But uh, his address and telephone number is available. That's the way to do it. And just call us up, book the time, and we will be there. 
As they say, I'm cheap and available. <laughs> well, you have an amazing website, too. It's leapahead.com. Right, That's we do. with two Ps. Right, yes, L-E-A-P-P, right, leapahead.com. And you'll find a little blurb or two there from the presentation so you can get a feel for what we cover. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy to say that the organizations have had us back year in and year out with whether it be at Rockhurst because they have you know different classes each year. Right. So we have a very, very high repeat factor. You know, you were telling me something before we went on the air this morning that uh, as you have gone back to some of these classes, mm-hmm. you've come across uh, kind of an amazing statistic. Well, right. The demographics are changing. Mm-hmm. Um, one class that I do every year is the um, College of Osteopathy in Kansas City has a program with Rockers Business School. So all of the uh, students, as they're achieving their medical degree, will also come out with an executive MBA, which I think Mm -hmm. is quite innovative. Mm -hmm. But in those classes, about three years ago, about 40% female, 60% male. Today, it's about 70% female and 30% male. It's swamped, yeah. It changes, and I've seen this with other groups that I come back each year. And I think it's wonderful because I find that the women usually are more enthusiastic, uh, warmer, what have you. And as a presenter to this group, they add a certain degree of spontaneity that you just can't find in a bottle. You know, we, uh, you, that's funny. You um, talked about leadership, mm-hmm. uh, and we only have a couple minutes, so sure. I don't want to prolong this. But uh-huh. you talked about leadership earlier, and now you've talked about how it's flip-flopped, and in most of these groups there's more women now that you're seeing. Mm-hmm. Do you think that women have a different style of leadership? You read a lot about um people who believe that they do. What, what is your take on that? Oh, I don't know if they have a different style. They might uh, go about it more empathetically than mm-hmm. male will, men will do. Uh, I think they're very, very strongly career-oriented. They want to achieve positive, positive results. And uh, I think that some men have a difficult time working with or uh, under a woman because they don't know how to deal with it, mm-hmm. uh, their own sensitivities and what have you. Sure. But again, uh, I found that uh, in my business career, I've worked, had the privilege of working with a lot of uh, women leaders, and I found them to be extremely trustworthy uh, and very, very career and success oriented. So, so the core values of a leader and mm-hmm. the core principles that a leader, uh, they're, they're the same yes. across genders, but they might just carry it out a little bit differently. Right. And, uh, uh, their style the, might be a little different. My style, they might be, quote, a little softer mm-hmm. or appear to be softer, but they're as hard as nails as any other person is. <laughs> there you go. Don't <laughs> let that soft exterior confuse you. That's right. They, they're after yeah. results. Okay. okay. So the website, leapahead, L-E-A-P-P, two Ps, mm-hmm. ahead.com, and you can find a lot of what we discussed. Um, I believe you have a newsletter that you can sign up for. A monthly newsletter called Reflections, and I also send out what I call Leap Bulletins, where I take one subject and uh, limit it to one sheet of paper because we found that most people don't have a lot of time to read, so therefore by having it short, succinct, and sweet, bing, 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 it achieves readership and achieves the point that we're trying to uh, drive home. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time today. We've really appreciated it. Thank you for the opportunity. And if you'd like to learn more about how to grow your business, please visit our website at ithinkbigger.com. Follow us on Facebook, Thinking Bigger Business Media, or on Twitter at I Think Bigger. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.